Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. All right. Hey, 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 hey. We, you know, we know we got a birthday today. You guys know that? We got a birthday today. It's Corey Pagano's birthday today. If you got a... That's Corey right there, and he has a couple kids. You cannot see his third child in this picture because we can't see the third child yet. On the way, uh, but very soon, uh, within the next month, is that right? About a month from now? Masamenos, only God knows, right? Only God knows exactly when the baby will be here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, uh, uh, know, last year, Corey turned 30. I turned 50. And, uh, you know, I I don't know what Corey is doing exactly for his birthday. I, I have just decided... Uh, I'm, I'm taking back everything the locusts stole from me last year. I'm still having my birthday. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still having. Come on. I don't, listen, I don't know what you lost last year, but you are all invited to my big 50th birthday party sometime in December or November. I don't plan things well, so there's no exact date set at this moment. Stay ready. Stay ready because we're we're gonna we're, we're probably have something to do with the pool somewhere, and uh, and um, there's gonna be some water and we're gonna cook some meat, and uh, or something. Something's gonna happen. I'm probably gonna eat too much and we're gonna have a good time. Amen. Like, come on, come on. I I because listen, listen. Um, I you know I I don't have any problem with our country celebrating. Uh, it's, it's a birthday, obviously, uh, but for when I think of independence, I think of the independence that Jesus Christ gave me by setting me free from the law of sin and death on this world, and uh, I get everything back that the enemy stole in my life. Come on, I'm getting everything back. I'm getting it all back, starting with my birthday party, in the name of Jesus. I didn't, I, I, so somebody, oh, my wife is helping me out here. We got some uh, some treats out in the breezeway after service to celebrate Corey's birthday. Uh, and so I hope you would join us for that. We'll have a variety of, of uh, nutritional value uh, cookies. I'll be having the less nutritional value cookies. Uh, and real quick before I get into my message, we have an engagement to announce. Don't you guys like that? So we believe in the prophetic in here. So someone right now is about to find out that they're getting engaged. No. And some of you ladies are like, well, I'll try to make it work. Like, some of you fellows are like, I hope she's not ugly. Um, I should have, okay. But, 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 but Chris and Cassie got engaged finally. Where are, you, where are you at, Christopher? Yeah, stand up, stand up. Come on, everybody. Yay! <laughs> Couldn't be more happy. Give a big hug there. Now, if you guys get focused, this time next year, could be a little baby. Well, they get married quickly. We could do it right now. Get a wedding license. We could do it next week right here. Save the debt, just as memorable. Excellent, excellent, excellent. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So I am here today uh, continuing our summer school 
message series, our Reconstruction Edition. Uh, we, we, the Church of Jesus Christ, we have to help people reconstruct what it means to live on this planet. Uh, people come up with their own ideas, and then the Holy Ghost comes and says, not everything you just built your life upon is the rock. And so the Holy Ghost is like, let me help you rebuild. And I am your host today, Professor Carl Thomas, here to teach you uh, what I have learned and what the Holy Spirit is igniting for me in the Word of God. Okay. Uh, excellent. I was going to blame the worship team for us being uh, running late, but it's really Christopher. Um, <clears throat> Funny thing, you know, my... my, my uh, my entire life, I knew who Jesus was. Uh, if you'd ask me, I can't remember a time in my life that I didn't know that Jesus Christ was the Son of God that died on the cross for my sins. I knew that my whole life. I, I didn't go to church ever, um, uh, but intellectually, I, I, I knew that fact. And um, since we said that we were part of a church, I, I knew um, that I had something to tag that faith to, which was uh, the Episcopalian church. That's what we called ourselves. And so since I was an Episcopalian, I'm Christian, I know who Jesus is, I, I could tell you at any point in my life uh, that I knew that to be true. Now, I also knew my entire life that I had a calling on my life. Uh, there wasn't a time in my life that I didn't know that God had called me to do something. Now, those two facts right there could... Um, mislead you into thinking that I had been a follower of Jesus my whole life. Now, I had not been a follower of Jesus, even though I knew who he was, even though I knew that he had a calling on my life, I knew that he had set me apart to do something my entire life, but I wasn't, I wasn't you know, he wasn't necessarily connected to my day-to-day -day life. He, he, wasn't, he, wasn't, he certainly did not dictate the major decisions of my life. I knew who he was, but there wasn't an interaction that would reflect in my life that I was actually a disciple of his. Uh, you know, as, as we're younger, uh, you know, life is taken for granted. We just assume uh, that the world is how it's always been and it'll always be. And this vibrancy that we're experiencing will always be here. We, we, we take it for granted and... Um, Without the right framework, mental framework, we don't recognize that life is a gift from God. Amen. We just kind of feel like we are. I just am. As if we're sovereign, as if we are eternal, as if our thoughts matter, uh, our conclusions matter. We think somehow that we stand alone in who we are and what we do. The Bible has a word for that. It's called sovereign. Sovereign means that it stands alone on its own without being influenced by anything else. Now, only God is sovereign. Only God stands alone on his own by his own ethical system, by his own system of truth, uh, without the input, without deception, without hedging any of his own realities. God alone stands sovereign. And then we really want to know what's going on in the world. We better know that one which is sovereign. <clears throat> when we don't know that life is a gift from God, we fall into the trap of thinking that life is about me. It's about me. Because it's my job uh, to keep me going. It's my job to keep me Flourishing. Now, this is how species stay alive over the 
millennia. When you're a baby, you scream and someone puts food in your mouth. And then you scream again and somebody changes your diaper. And then you scream again and somebody puts you down for a nap. And then you scream again and they put some food in your mouth. And we're kind of trained from the beginning, hey, life is about me. Now, I would not say to do something differently. I think it is absolutely God's desire that when you're a baby to know that your needs will be met. The conclusion to that, though, is not my needs will be met because I am special. It's that my needs will be met because I need others and God has set it up so that others will come to me to, to help. That is the conclusion that we are to come to. I am not alone on this planet. Without other people, you could not have made it here today. Without other people, you could not make it to where you are in life, even if you don't like it where you are. You would not have lived beyond a day. You would have been born, and you would have died. And here's the crazy thing about life. That day that you were born, there were many, 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 many days that could have been your last day if it were not for the intervention of another person. We cannot live here on our own. But somehow we come to the conclusion that life is about me. And, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a whole system of philosophy that searches this understanding of life. That life, the point, this life, even though I haven't examined it, even though, even though I haven't uh, articulated this, uh, what I have come to the conclusion of is that life is all about me. It's called humanism. Humanism says that me, on my own, I can come up with an ethical system of living. I can come up well, with, with a purpose of life. I can come up with uh, divine knowledge all on my own without there being a supernatural divine being. In other words, what matters to me is really what's important. Humanism. What seems to be the best course of action to me is the truth. And I'm thankful that there's any um, moral system out there for anybody to grab onto because they're all originated in the Spirit of God which gave us all life. By this Father who breathed life in the dirt so that we could be alive. All life originates with God. And so that all morality begins with God. And that's why almost every ethical system on the planet has some version of the words of Jesus. Treat your neighbor as yourself. This is the perfect ethos. I treat people the way I want to be treated. And that goes way back before Jesus. That is the ethical system that God designed. Now, last week we talked about the Father and the message that we put out that we want us to get in our spirit is that God is good. That's super important, that God is good. He's not to be scared of. He's not to run from. He's not to hide from. But we live in a world where we are so focused on us and our needs we live lives that are not fully realized because we don't understand our place in the bigger picture. And so we live short of our potential. Okay, are there any, any Marines in the room? Any former Marines in the room? There, there's a funny thing about Marines. Marines are never former Marines. Marines feel like they're always a Marine their entire life. And um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a weird training that Marines get. I talk about it a lot. Um, <clears throat> the average person, when you hear a gun it makes sense to duck and run for cover, right? If somebody is shooting at you, you are to get out of harm's way. That, that is the goal, to not get shot, amen? 
When somebody is shooting, my goal is to not be the one they're shooting. Right? That is the goal at that point. Now, what they do in Marines is they completely rewire the way Marines think. And so when there is a machine gun nest over on the other side of a field, it is Marines are trained that we need to run at that gun. Somebody's got to get to that gunner and disable them so that they will stop shooting. You see, they, 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 they say to themselves, my platoon is more important than me. I am part of something bigger <clears throat> than myself. I can't sit back here and let everybody get picked off. Somebody's got to do something about this, and if it's going to be me. I <clears throat> am going to rescue the people around me. We are made to be part of something bigger than ourselves. You were created to be part of something bigger than yourself. It's part of your created nature. It's part of the DNA that, was the, that, that composes you. It's, it's part of the purpose that you've been alive. You were created to be part of God's family. Humans have an innate understanding that there's something bigger than us. We, 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 we know, without anybody ever teaching us, like me as a child, that we are supposed to be connected to our Creator. And without the knowledge of that Creator, we just kind of hold on to glimpses that seem to make sense to us. And, and I like to teach in this church, we say that you don't know what anybody's thinking unless you ask them. You don't know the motives why anybody did anything unless you ask them why they did it. We hardly know ourselves. We definitely don't know others. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> we like to think we know who God is without asking God. <clears throat> we like to think that we know what's coming up without God telling us what's coming up. And in God's silence, we fill it in with words he didn't say. <clears throat> but as we talked about last week, we can only find true connection in God. Real connections can only come through the God who has restored us after sin. Sin separated us, only God can reconnect us. And it's always been God's desire to restore us to reflect God's goodness. If you say amen. <clears throat> the temptation in our lives is to view the goodness of God through the lens of humanism. God is so good that we view him through a system that he was created to make me happy. That God's purpose on this planet is to make me happy. That everything God wants to do in this world centers on Carl Thomas feeling happy about the decisions that Carl Thomas has made. We kind of lose sight of why we're here in the beginning. We start thinking it's all about me, and this doesn't feel good, therefore it can't be God. That makes me uncomfortable, therefore God must not want me to do it. I don't know if that's going to make me happy. I don't know if that's the direction I want to go in, therefore it must not be God. We hold God in our image and see if there's anything in him that doesn't look like us and we kind of separate that from who God is. We don't do it on purpose. I don't think anybody, I don't think most people do that on purpose, but we certainly do it. We like to think without examining our own lives that the right way to do things is the way that we do things. And if only people will listen to us, they can learn a better way. And without really understanding that or getting feedback that we're not listeners, uh, we believe that's who God is. God clearly would do things the way we do things because I'm not doing things wrong. 
You, you, you see how this could be a trap. You see, we, we, we know that God is good, but because we look at the goodness through the lens of humanism, uh, we think that his plan is all lollipops and unicorns. <clears throat> but I want to look into the life of Jesus because I want to live in the goodness of God. I want to live within his blessing. Can you say amen? I feel like I'm preaching a little better than you're giving me feedback. So I just, I need you to interact with me a little bit more here today. Amen. 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 So yes, so we're going to look at the life of Jesus. So we can get, we can get a little direction, uh, how to follow Jesus in this world. Part of me wishes that somebody would have gone to eight-year-old Carl and said, hey, the, the visitations that you've had, the visions that you've had, that thing in your heart, let me help you understand where it came from and how to run after it. If only somebody a few years ago would have just said to me, hey, Carl, I know you think that this is all about you, but it's really, there's something so much better and so much, so much more beautiful and so bigger and so much more purpose. If you will just align yourself with these truths, then you can actually be a funnel of heaven's blessings on the earth. And say, amen, amen. I wish somebody would have told me that. <clears throat> I wish somebody would have taken some time to just talk to that obnoxious Carl who, who, who was a child who knew everything already. I wish somebody would have just, just uh, wouldn't have gotten worn down by me and actually would have taught me the gospel from a young age. But we're going to stop that in this generation, amen? amen. <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> why did Jesus come to earth? Well, if you ask any, any 11-year-old in children's ministry, they're going to tell you, Jesus came just for me. He came just for me. Just, just, just for me. Problem is, I'm, I have a hard time finding that scripture. I've never once seen my name in the Bible. I just haven't seen it. It's not there. Let's look at John 18. Let's, what did Jesus say about his own call? He said in John 18, Pilate said to him, Oh, so, so you're, you're a king? Jesus said, you're right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason, I came into the world. Oh, you're a king? Yes. That's why I'm here. To be the king. Jesus came to be king. He did not come to make you the king. Thanks, Sarah. He, he, he came to be the king. And if we're going to have a right relationship with God, through Jesus Christ, we have to recognize that he's the king. <laughs> that he's the king. He is absolutely the king. It's his way. Only his words are the truth. See, he came as a king to conquer other kingdoms. He conquered sin and he conquered death. And by his conquering those things, he gives us life. You see, see we, we, we don't come into his kingdom because of our selfish ambition. We don't recognize that Jesus Christ is working on levels that we're not working on. And so we try to get all the little systems of the world around us to align for what we want. As opposed to recognizing that the king is actually running the economy. And he needs me to be working here so that I can be supplying a need over there. So this thing continue to run so that over there will work. Does that make sense? Like, 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 like. <clears throat> He called us to be part of his kingdom. And he said, listen, I'm going to establish my kingdom on the earth. You are going to be ambassadors of my kingdom. Whose kingdoms? God's kingdom. We will be ambassadors of his kingdom. And he's like, look, 
I'm going to leave you on the earth. Look out for other people. Like, you're in my kingdom. You guys are kind of in charge now. Like, well, well, they got the presidency. That's a, that's, we're not talking about that kingdom. No, but he's, a, he's got all this money. I'm not talking about that kingdom. But they're the popular one. I'm not talking about that kingdom. I'm talking about the only real kingdom that will endure the fire at the end of the age. The kingdom of God. He's like, you are now a part of this kingdom. And here's what I need you to do with this access to the kingdom, with this new ability to be a citizen of the kingdom. I need you to look out for all these other fools who don't recognize that my kingdom's the only one that's going to last. Because they really think that their kingdom matters. Come on, somebody. Are you with me here? We're looking at things a little different today, amen? We need to see the big picture of what we're doing here on the earth. We can do this because of what Jesus did. Let's take a look. John chapter 6, 38. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. Jesus said, he didn't even say it's about me. So it's not about Carl. Jesus like, it's not even about me. It's about the Father's will. Jesus demonstrated what it looks like to be part of a kingdom that's not all about you. This is our God. This is our God. Sometimes, like those Marines, what's good for the body feels really uncomfortable for me. Like, we all want somebody to run at that machine gun. We don't necessarily want it to be us. Now, we wouldn't mind standing there getting the medal for having run at the machine gun. Don't necessarily want to be the one who did it, though. We all want to be educated. We don't all want to necessarily get education. We all want to live an overcoming lifestyle. We don't all necessarily want to overcome. We all want to live in a place where my feelings matter. We don't all want to live in a way that other people's feelings matter. Amen. Can we just say, oh, amen? Can we just say, just come on, just say amen? That's just who we are, and I'm not condemning anybody because you couldn't do it on your own anyways. I'm not telling you it's because you're bad. I'm telling you because sin is bad. And that's why he gave us the Holy Ghost to help us. Like your spirit, your spirit don't get it right all the time, but his spirit does. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And he's like, you're like, oh, how do I just get my spirit right? He's like, you may not never get your spirit right. And what I'm going to do is I'll put my spirit on the inside of you. So now you got something following to follow. Who's following me? Okay, somebody. I'm, I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we're here. It's, it's, come on, it's an Independence Day for somebody. <clears throat> It's Independence Day for somebody. Somebody, you just tell that thing that's been over your head, hey, it's, it's Independence Day. I'm going to get free of you today. <clears throat> Look, we, we, we desperately, like, we desperately fight to be in control. But Jesus is always close to those who need to be rescued. Man, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a rough place to think back to when you were close to Jesus. That's not a fun place to be. Back before you were somebody and didn't need him. If you feel like he was close in years gone by, you have gotten to a place where you no longer felt you needed him. He didn't go nowhere. He's still right there. But we're just like, well, you know, this kingdom of money is probably doing pretty good too. It's probably an equal to God's kingdom. Let me focus on that kingdom. Oh, look at this kingdom of power. Let me look at this kingdom of Carl. Let me focus on the kingdom of Carl. Hey, Jesus, come on. Let's go play in the kingdom of Carl. Where, where are you at, God? Where are you at, God? He's like, I'm still over here in my kingdom. Why don't you come on back? 
Why don't you come on back? I just feel like he's welcoming people back today. Can you say amen? Look, he's trying to do something in you in the midst of this right now. He's trying to do something in you. Look, look, look. When, when, when that feels so far away, we get like this discomfort. And, and instead of thinking like, where did I miss it and I got off of it? What we do is we say, well, maybe what I was following before was the wrong God. And now this is the right God. This new God just happens to line up with what I want to do. Isn't that a coincidence? Isn't it an amazing coincidence? Here, I want to tell you, friend, if you're in a rough season, this discomfort, this discomfort that you're experiencing in this season, you ready for a word of encouragement? Are you ready to be encouraged? Yeah, yeah amen. This is God telling you, He's calling you to die. Woohoo! Thanks, Pastor. Thanks, Pastor. Appreciate that. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, I, woo! Take that home. I'm done. I, I feel like I had church. What could be the, what, what, what is, what's, what's the worst thing God could do to you? Leave you alone. Worst thing He can ever do to you is leave you to your sin. Worst thing he could ever do to you is make you pleasurable in the midst of your bitterness and judgment. Think you got peace in the midst of not walking in forgiveness. He won't do it. He loves you too much for that. His kingdom is too good for that. And so as we sit there stewing, like I told you last week, my pastor would say, sucking on worms, feeling bad for ourselves. The Lord's like, man, it's pretty easy. Just repent. Get over yourself. Pull up your pants. Put on your shoes. Be a big boy, wipe your nose, come on back to the table. This is our God calling us back to the table today. This, 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 this trial that you are going through right now, this fire that you are experiencing in your life, it ain't all from Satan. You're a child of God. How, how Satan got that much access in your life? You're a child of God. This, this is the call to die. Jesus is the King of Kings, and He is the Lord of Lord. But is He the Lord of your life? That's the question. We know Father God is good, and Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. And the question is, like when I was a child, I knew who He was. I understood Him. I would talk about Him. I read the Bible. I did not have the Spirit of God. I did not have spiritual understanding of what I was reading. So my replies were nonsense based on what I wanted them to mean. It's funny when you're not intimate with God that all the sacrifices He calls you to are things that you would sacrifice anyways. You probably felt like they were wrong in the beginning. So you're like, yep, He's calling me not to go out with you people that I might get arrested with. I'm like, well, isn't that convenient? That's convenient. Isn't that convenient? Yeah, I hate getting high. The Lord is telling me not to be high with you guys. That's my sacrifice to him. Yeah, you know. Listen, I'm, I'm, I want to ask you some tough things today because I want us all to begin growing more in this season. When's the last really hard thing that God told you to do that you stayed doing until it was finished? Think about that. When's the last time God said, you yeah, know, no, you're going to stay and you're going to be love in this thing. And it just didn't turn and you just left. Right? I mean, like, this, you, you should be able to tell me the last time that happened. You're like, I just stayed until that thing turned. Maybe this is that season. Maybe this is that season. This is that new season. This is that new level he's been promising you that you overcome some of these things that have been patterns in your life. Come on. 
Not asking that you stayed until you were finished, stayed until it was finished. Yeah. Like, like maybe taking care of an elderly parent that didn't treat you well until they transitioned. Or, or, or maybe sacrificing your rights in a situation. Staying quiet instead of trying to get even. Allowing others to think and say evil things against you and allowing the Lord to avenge your honor. So many of us are not living a life in the fullness of the Spirit because we don't give the Spirit enough room to work in our lives. We're so busy driving the car. We're like, God, where, where's the last time you bring me somewhere? He's like, man, I've been in the back seat for so many years now. I didn't even know we were going anywhere. We're in control of everything and everything in our life has to give us a direct benefit, right? Like we, 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 God is calling some of us to something bigger. And we have to go through our own personal crucifixion to receive our own personal resurrection. We all want resurrection life. But we all have to go through our own personal crucifixion to receive our own personal resurrect us. Now, Jesus had a very, very, very specific crucifixion he had to endure. And I pray that no one in this room has anything anywhere near that crucifixion that God was called to, that the original apostles were called to. I would say it's safe to say that there's probably nobody in this room that is called to live at that level of call. But we all are called to emulate the life of Christ. And it means something different in each of our lives. But in being a disciple, we need to follow our master. We need to die to trying to have control over everything and let Jesus be the king of our lives. Jesus came to resurrect the dead so those who know they are on the bottom receive born again life. Okay, hear this. Jesus came to save those which were lost. He came to uh, leave the 99 for the one. Uh, he came for those who are hurting. He came for the poor. These are all just Bible, right? What happens when none of those describe you? Right? This is a real question. What happens when I'm living such a good life that I don't feel there's anything in my life that actually needs to be rescued? That's when we get hungry that God would lift the blinders from our eyes so we can see the good life that we built is not necessarily the God life we've been called to. Amen. Amen. See, there was a time in your life where you were just running scared to just get healed from what you had been through without Jesus. And he let you just build a nice little life because he loves you. And then he's like, okay, you don't need that anymore. It's time for you to live a little more risky again. You're a little too comfortable now. Now, I, I set this thing up for you before because you really needed it because you were hurt. But now you're the healed. Now, now the healed has to live differently than the hurt. You see, the hurt has to be comforted. Come on, somebody. The hurt has to be comforted. The hurt has to be taken care of. You, the baby, we, we give him a little spoon of food and just a little bit. Oh, so cute. Let me wipe your little mouth. That's so cute. But once you're the healed, we can't treat you like that anymore. The Lord's like, no, no, you're the healed. You need to go learn how to live like the hurt because you don't understand what's going on with them. You don't recognize. You start thinking it's their fault. You start thinking that they deserve it because you don't live close enough to them to understand what's going on there. Okay, come on, somebody. So, so, he, so he wants to heal us, but he wants us to heal us so we could be healers. 
It's not all focused on what's going to make Carl happy. Come on, somebody. He wants to heal you so you could be a healer. That means you recognize that there's people out there who are hurting that you can actually get down in the dirt with them. Not because you don't know there's something better, but now you're like, I'm getting down here on purpose. I'm not scared of the dirt, but I'm here to point to the Father. You don't got to live like this. You weren't created for this. There's something bigger on your life. Come on, somebody. I'm not scared of it, and I'm not judging those people. I pulled myself up. You should too. No, you didn't. The Holy Ghost did that in your life. Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember how stupid you were? Do you remember the life you had without Jesus? And then we're going to judge people who look just like you before Jesus. Come on, somebody. We need to be able to get back with them and say, man, no, no, that's the broken. No, that's, no, that I see myself in them. I see the hurting. I see myself. I see the oppressed. I see myself in them. But, I, but I'm, I'm here to let them know, listen, you don't got to stay there. Jesus Christ died on a cross for you to come out of that thing. Come on. Come on. Come on, this is how Jesus lived. I had a um, Friday night. Listen, we have first Friday night, we have prayer here. Friends of God was so beautiful. We prayed in tongues for like 45 minutes. I don't know, it was good. Friends of God just came. We had, Sunday morning, we started pre-service prayer again. Starts at 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock in the multi-purpose room. I just announced it. 9 o'clock. Come early, pray in tongues. I had this vision on... Uh, on Saturday night, or excuse me, Friday night, and uh, this person was uh, being touched by God, right? Okay, I'm going to finish in the next 23 seconds. Okay. Um, Part B, maybe, next week. I had a vision. Mike, are you in here? Mike, come on up. I had this vision, and uh, in, in the vision, this person had this whirlwind coming after him. <clears throat> and they felt like they were living on the outer bands. You know what I mean? You know, you know what that means, right, Floridians? You know what the outer bands. We understand what that means, right, as we got this thing happening. You know, it, for those who are out of state who watch us online, like, hurricanes sound very scary. But anytime a big hurricane comes, I'm texting Corey about when the winds are going to be right for him to surf, because now it's just a tool. Right? As long as it's not too big, like, how do we use this for us? And she, you know, I was talking to my wife, and she's like, you know, I wouldn't mind a couple of days of downtime, you know, like. <laughs> you know, like when a big storm comes, and we all just stop and stay home, and then it turns, and we don't leave? You know, we just stay there at home. I might turn back. We better just stay here for a little bit. Like, I, I wouldn't mind that, you know. We used, to, we used to have hurricane parties when I was a kid. Like, guess we got to cook everything we got, and, uh, you know, except my mom would then, you know, fill a watermelon with vodka at the same time and be like, everybody come on over. I thought that was part of hurricane prep. I thought, like, that was sanctifying the watermelon or something. I didn't know, preserving it or something. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't grow up in church like y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by Jesus up here, by God's grace, preaching his gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen, 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 amen. There is no possible way I'm going to finish this in any kind of way, shape, or form. Okay, so in this, in this, in this, so in Friday night, I need you to hear this encounter. Friday night, I see this whirlwind just spinning. And, and like, you don't, you don't want this hurricane stalling just off the coast. That's like the worst thing that could happen. You just get hit by bands forever, you know? Like, they just keep coming through and dumping rain on you and wind storms coming through and tearing up your yard and throwing all the neighbor's junk in my pool, right? Like, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. 
And so I saw them standing there in these bands. Just They were just living in the storm. And they were like just fighting off the storm constantly. And I just saw them living a victorious life, but a victorious life in turmoil. Like I am constantly, constantly fighting. And I just had this word and I had this, I had this vision. And, and in the vision and in the word, I, was, I just saw that this cyclone, like this is the trial of the Lord and you keep fighting it. Just get in the middle of it because that's where the peace is. Just, just, just get in it. Jesus was in the storm. The storm was not in Jesus. Come on, somebody. The storm is not in Jesus. You get in Christ, you start getting some peace. And so we start, we keep fighting. Like, like oh, oh, things are so hard for me right now. And I'm not mocking anybody going through a trial. Brother, I've been through, I'm, I got, I got, I got, you know, you ever been through like a season of trials that you like need a, a flow chart to figure out which trial you're in the midst of right now because they're so overlapping. You're like, I think this one ends in March, but still got these four going on. And I got another one starting next week. So I don't, I don't know which trial I'm in right you know what I'm saying? I'm not judging anybody going through a trial. I, I, I feel you. But at some point, we just got to say, man, maybe Jesus is just calling me to die. Dead people don't go through trials. Dead. I think you ought to just pause and say amen right there. Dead people don't go through trials. Amen. So I just said, I think if you just surrender, you'll get peace in the midst of the storm. This is how Jesus lived. Ah, Pastor, I don't want to do this. Nobody, none of us want to die. We think we were fine the first time. Seen those bumper stickers, born fine the first time? They're saying, I don't need to be born again. Born fine the first time. I was like, object. Point of order. Not possible. Not possible. I saw that right next to the word deception in the Bible. The problem with being deceived is you don't know it. have somebody you trust. Shakaba. Listen. I'll end with this and we'll finish up next week, I suppose. Jesus lived his life serving. He lived his life serving and loving well. Say amen. We all believe that, right? But from the moment he was anointed, he knew he was making a slow journey to the cross. He lived fully on, fully clear, fully connected, fully engaged with the world around him, knowing he is moving toward his death. He didn't reserve. He didn't hold back. He didn't protect. He didn't shut down. He didn't withdraw. He didn't judge. He wasn't bitter. He lived fully alive the whole time walking toward his murder. This is our God. This is our call. We want to be alive in God, but we're going to have to die in us to be part of something bigger than us. Jesus rode into Jerusalem the same way that kings ride into Jerusalem, that they've risen into Jerusalem for centuries on a donkey. They call it the triumphal entry. And they're shouting out, Hosanna! 
Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, what we say is really a form of Joshua, which means salvation. Hosanna means full salvation. Salvation in the highest. You are salvation. Literally, his name is salvation. They're yelling, salvation has come. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This king who's riding in on a donkey, they're thinking to sit on a throne. He knows to hang from a cross. To be all I can be, I have to die. He knew this. And so he sits down with his disciples. John records it in the 12th chapter of his gospel. He says, now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. I just want to, I want you to see Jesus for who he is. I love Jesus. I live for Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus. I've given my career to Jesus. I trust my family with Jesus. It's, I mean, this is, Jesus is it for me. I got nowhere else to go. It's Jesus and about the call on my life that I gave him my life. I can't draw back. I follow Jesus. Absolutely. Jesus, Jesus is it, but Jesus said, what am I going to do? What are I going to say? Save me from this hour? We get in these trials and we're asking God to save us. Keep me from this trial. We spend so much time fighting the trial that we don't get the victory that Jesus has for us. For some of you, you are in a hard, hard season. And as we're getting disappointed that God doesn't deliver us, God may be saying back to you, this is what you were created for. You were created to overcome this thing. This self-centeredness, this, this, this humanism, this, I, it's all about my feelings. Like he's like, I want to break this in your generation. It's for this hour that I brought you. Maybe the battle you're in right now is the reason you're on the earth. Maybe we need to stop checking out. Maybe we need to stop running. Maybe maybe we need to stop avoiding the test and just die. And just die. This is how Paul lived. Are you with me here? This is how Paul lived. Romans chapter 6. This is how Paul put it in verse 5. He says, For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the life of his resurrection. And as I look around Boca Raton, I see some people who need resurrection. I don't know about you, but I look around in my family, in my life, in my, you know, just how I'm living. I see the need of a little resurrection. And we want Jesus to come and superimpose his death so that we don't have to die, so we can get his resurrection, so we don't have to actually give anything up. And Jesus is like, I would love to do some resurrection, but you won't let it die. I just need you a little bit more dead. That's all I need is a little little bit more dead. Listen, it's 4th of July. I know there's barbecue out there. Can you just give me five minutes? Anybody in here, you got five minutes for me? Five minutes? Yeah, yeah, five minutes. Okay, give me five minutes. Let's look at the life of Jesus very quickly. The beginning of his ministry, 
Matthew chapter 4. The whole thing started with the Spirit leading him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's how things jumped off. That's day one on the job. You show up, all right, I'm ready to be king. What shall I do today? Well, we're going to send you out into the wilderness so you can be tempted by the devil for a month. That's, that's, that's how his ministry started. How did it end? Garden of Gethsemane, Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, your will be done. Starts with surrender. It ends with surrender. He loved in the midst of it all. Didn't betray his God. Didn't betray his father. Didn't betray his disciples. It was the father's will that he die. And in some of our lives, God just wants to kill some things. And my spirit bears witness with the Spirit of God that there is a resurrection coming. There is a resurrection coming for some of you. Come on, there is a resurrection coming for some of you. Jesus, He didn't say on that cross. Paul summed this thing up in Ephesians chapter 1 talking about where Jesus is now. Stop looking where you don't see him. Look at where he is right now. Ephesians 1 verse 21. He says that Jesus is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. Jesus Christ now not only just got resurrected to be a man, he's resurrected to the right hand of the Father, ruling over every principality and power and every darkness and everything that's living and creeping and flying and everything that was Jesus even over time itself that's what happened when he allowed some things to die so that the father could resurrect them I'm here to tell you today Jesus wants to resurrect some things in your life amen stand with me if you would hallelujah 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 Hallelujah. 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 If you don't have communion supplies, you want to get them now. They're in the lobby. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's bring this, let's bring this full circle. So Jesus, sitting down with his disciples. I need you to hear this in context. He's having another meal with his disciples. They're sitting around having the Passover Seder. And they didn't have the book. They didn't know this was the Last Supper. They thought it was just another dinner with Jesus. Jesus knew this is it. He kept telling him, this is it. But he's like, man, for me to be everything I'm called to be, i got to die. Would it be better if he had stayed? Maybe in the short term, maybe Matthew wouldn't have been martyred. And... John wouldn't have been martyred, right? We, we know that like his disciples would have, their life in the natural would have been better had he not been crucified. But I'm here to tell you, your life and my life is better because they wrote this book. 
because they surrendered their will. Jesus gave up his life and their life in the natural was worse. But somebody's got to run at that machine gun. Somebody's got to say, I'm part of something bigger than myself. Look, I don't know where you are today, but you better figure out how you got there. We, we, we got to look back at our past and see the trajectory that we're on right now. And if you think things were better for you two years ago than they are right now, what, what, where did we turn? Why? Why is that important? Why do we keep talking about where am I and how did I get here and where am I going? Because if you don't know how you got here, you don't even know the direction you're going in. We, we got to find out the trajectory that we're on right now. And for Jesus, from the very beginning, I'm pointing to the cross. From the very beginning, he's like, no, I came to die. I'm going to do some good things here in the midst, but I came to die. If we don't understand where we were and where we are right now, how do we course correct so we get on the path with Jesus? We got to find that out. But from the beginning, Jesus was like, I came to die. And so here, here he is, as Matthew records it, on the very last day, he's with his disciples. And they're having a meal. Here he is having a meal, and one of these guys is the one who's going to betray him to make him die. As the disciples tell the story, and include Jesus, Judas, they always say, the one who betrayed our Lord. Jesus never said that. Right at the beginning, right from the beginning to the end, Jesus was love. He said, because I knew this is my trial. This is my trial. I refuse to allow bitterness to ruin it. I refuse to allow judgment to ruin it. I'm not going to complain in the midst of my trial. I'm going to praise I'm going to worship, I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to die. So in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 26, says, While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is being poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You think they knew within 48 hours he would be dead? He knew. Wasn't a figurative thing for Jesus. And he said, this communion meal that you have together in my name, preaching my gospel, trying to follow me, this is real. Friend, I'm inviting you to the death of Jesus. I'm really inviting you to the resurrection. But you can't get there without going through the death. It's the only way there. He is the door. There is no other way. To the Father. Than through the Son. And that requires you dying. That so you can live again. Father, we love you today. Wow, we, mm. 
Holy Ghost of God, come on. Holy Ghost of God, I just feel the Holy Ghost so wants to heal some things in your heart, to drop some things so He can sew up some things so you can see this world right and what you're here for. Shekaba. Receive the body of the Lord broken for you. He also gave him the cup and said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Listen, that poured out, that's Jesus saying, that's my life being poured out. It's not, it's not figurative. Literally, his life was being poured out so that we could live. Receive the cup of the new covenant. Hey, 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 Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are a very, very good God. And Lord, we sign up. Turn that off. Turn that off. Yeah. And we sign up today to be part of your kingdom, to die your death so that we can live your life. Oh, just put your hands out real quick. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would heal every broken heart in here today, every disappointment that has rested on your people, every spirit of frustration would come loose, every spirit of disappointment would come loose, every, 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 every um, misunderstood season would come loose, and I pray that they would be, receive the hope that there is in Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Give it up to the Lord for this good word. God is good. Give it up to Pastor, Professor Carl Thomas. Hey, it was a good word. Hallelujah. Well, I just want you guys to take this home with you today. Remember that this is a narrow gate. Only you can walk through it. He wants you to die so that you can live with him. Amen. Remember that tomorrow morning. Come on. Because the devil's going to want you to forget it. Yes. We just thank you, God. If anyone needs prayer, we just invite you to come on up. We'll have a prayer team, a prayer team up here for you. We're just going to release you and bless you guys. And there's also cookies for Corey because it's his birthday. You see him out there, say happy birthday. If you don't see him out there, his brother Chris is here. He'll receive the birthday blessings. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. God bless you guys. Have a good week. We'll see you guys next week. Amen.